Hello there. Hello everyone, and welcome back to Jedi Knights, the official Star Wars podcast of Joy Clicks. I'm your host, Christian Buckley, joined by my Chewie in the co-pilot seat, as always, Mike Connors. How's it going? Thanks for having me. Um, I'm ex- super excited for this episode today. It's a little bit of a departure from what we normally do. Uh, mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'm ready. I'm like, I'm hyped full energy. Yeah, we've been building to this for a while. We have. You know? Yeah, we have. And it's weird. It feels like we haven't done an episode in a while, even though it's just basically been a week. <laughs> but... Wait, yeah, wasn't it just last week? Like, like yeah. 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 It just feels like it's been a long time. I don't know why. I don't but, know. As always, I'm happy to be talking about Star Wars with you. One of my favorite things ever, every single week. Same. Same. Um, how you doing? I'm doing pretty good. Um, you know, spending more time outside, I guess. Uh, still trying mm. to social, social distance, but it's nicer outside, so that's good, right? Yeah. I, uh, honestly, bad weather recently. I love reading outside. So uh, now that it's clearing up a little bit, got a nice hammock set up outside. Mm. Going to dive into our next book. Truth, man, isn't yeah. Reading outside is a is one of the great pleasures in life. I think. Oh yeah, summertime, great thing to do. Love it so much. For sure. How about you? What what have you been up to? Um, Battlefront, some other games, uh, Joy Click nice. stuff, and uh, yeah, that's pretty much been it. You know, I I've been in the Star Wars mood the past week though. Uh, last week I rewatched Solo. This week, kicking around, maybe watching Empire. I don't know. I'm just feeling it. So we'll see what happens. I fell asleep watching Rogue One the other night. Oh, nice. So, How far yeah. did you get? <laughs> I got to the part where they blow up Jetta City. Nice. Okay. That's about as far as I got. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no better way to fall asleep than the cries of Forrest Whitaker and millions of others. Yeah. Obi-Wan never felt that one, I guess. No, he I don't did know. not. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, before we dive into the run of the show, we're going to be kicking off the way we normally do with from the Jedi Archives, a little uh, fun segment that we do to open the show to educate each other and our audiences about some little Star Wars facts. Mike, I went last week, so please kick us off. All right, sure. So this week, uh, you know, I have to say, uh, it's not so much of a deep cut. Uh, Most people know who this character is. Uh, Christian, I'm sure you know who this is. Uh, It's Wat Tambor. Mm -hmm. Uh, You're familiar, correct? The name I know absolutely, but I think once you say some information, it'll come to me. All right, he was a male Skakoan, totally don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly, who was the foreman of the Techno Union. Yes. And an, <laughs> and an executive of the Bactoid Armor Workshop. Interesting. Yeah, he's the tech, he was the Techno Union Army guy. And yeah. like he, he had that like knob on his whatever, I don't know, uh-huh. breast, breastplate, whatever. Uh, but yeah, Wat Tambor, he's from Skako Minor, and uh, he was slaughtered by Anakin on Mustafar. Mm-hmm. Uh, great moment. Great moment. Honestly, yeah. for, for how iconic that line is in Attack of the Clones, I feel like he deserved a better death, or at least more of a focus, you know? Because I feel like in that death scene, it's uh, the Nemodians, right, that get the big climactic death at the hand of Anakin, you know? He just he just uh-huh. gets dropped. He does get dropped. But you know, it's un- it's funny because I think he is in he is in Clone Wars season 7. Oh, that's right. Yeah. He, he's he's in the Bad Batch episodes. Yes, that is correct. Yeah, cuz so I remember he, Yeah. 
Yeah, I guess I'm, what I'm trying to say is he has a Clone Wars presence. If that makes That's it better true. for you. That, that helps, for sure. <laughs> but yeah, uh, Watanbor, I think he's an underrated character. And yeah, he's my pick for this week. Excellent. Uh, similar to you, I have one that like I feel like casual Star Wars fans are aware of, you know? Sure. Um, and also, Unsung Hero does not get enough credit. Okay. And that is R4P17. Oh, all right. The astromech unit assigned to Obi-Wan Kenobi during the Clone Wars uh, really was paid dust in the films, but did did get some love in Clone Wars, you know? Yeah, have you ever seen that that video that that went around the internet recently and it was like George Lucas talking to some person on the set of like Attack the Clones and Uh he was like, he was like, oh, like R4, he's just like R2 but painted red, right? (laughs) <laughs> and george lucas uh, is george lucas is like hey don't say that about r4 and then it cuts to like george lucas like pretending to like punch this guy <laughs> yeah that's so, a great video i think john boyega posted that on his Instagram. Oh, so it's a you, funny you, video yeah you know what i'm talking about yeah absolutely it's a great 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 piece of media it is yeah uh so a little biography r4 p17 was manufactured by industrial automaton sometime prior to the clone wars Cool. Uh, the feminine, feminine astromech droid accompanied Jedi Master Obi-Wan Kenobi to Kamino and Geonosis as the Jedi sought to uncover the mysteries behind the assassination attempts of Padme Amidala. Um, R4-P17 died in the Battle of Coruscant right before Anakin and Obi-Wan landed on Grievous' ship. Uh, the head of R4-P17 was chopped off due to buzz droids, and mm-hmm. Obi-Wan did not show one second of remorse. <laughs> You know, as as he as he should have, right? Like from his Jedi learning, not sure. spo- not supposed to get connected to these inanimate objects. Yeah, and I guess it makes because you know, like I mean, they're not. I guess they're not inanimate, right? They can. Yeah, they have feelings, but whatever. In A New Hope, when Obi Wan is like, I don't remember owning a droid. I guess it makes sense because he doesn't really care that R four gets blown away after four or five years fighting in the Clone Wars. Like, yeah, yeah. So, it's like if, it's like if you yeah definitely it's like if you were to try to imagine uh anakin skywalker like art like if r2d2 were to get like destroyed during the clone wars anakin skywalker would be distraught over that but yeah yeah mm-hmm. r4 though is an unsung is an unsung hero absolutely uh she is uh yeah she, she's a good pick for sure uh worth shouting out when obi-wan went to utapau later in the film he was uh using r4 g9 so new droid just slotted right in there <laughs> there you go so uh but that does it for this week's jedi archives as always a very fun segment i love hearing the picks every week yeah they're good mm-hmm. so we have a little bit of news to talk about We'll start with the big thing that I've seen pop up a couple times before we get into just, like, announcements of publishing stuff. But, Mike, I, I don't know if you're aware, but there's a narrative going on right now that Disney is going to retcon the sequel trilogy. Oh, I saw this. You've seen this? Yeah. Disney's not going to retcon the movies, you nerds. It's not going to happen. Yeah, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. Yeah. I like, saw I saw this and I was like this is just the most like incredible thing I've ever heard. Yeah. So for fun, right? Like I, I saw this video pop up on a recommended thing on YouTube. It was like Disney's plan to trash the sequel trilogies and then like 
the thumbnail was like a picture of Ray, and it was like bad, like the most clickbaity thing I've seen in my life. And I was like, you know what? I'll give you five minutes. Turns out the video was only five minutes. Five minutes. And this guy telling this story, he's like, so trust me, uh, Disney <laughs> is going to use the mirrors in the Death Star throne room from Nine as a way to explain how i forget which character but like some character could access them to enter the world between worlds go back in time to uh the end of six make sure palpatine's mega dead so that way the characters the destiny of like ben solo and ray palpatine being born can still happen but the events of uh 789 don't happen that's so dumb yeah, what's your take on this? Like, do you, do you not want to see this? Do you want to fund this on Kickstarter right now? Like, what? I, I don't... <laughs> I really honestly don't want to, like, do anything with this period of Star Wars, like, ever again. Like, I think we just need to move on. Like, I know people are upset that, like, they didn't like the last... Uh, not uh, The Rise of Skywalker and, like, The Last Jedi and all that kind of stuff. But, like, y'all people just gotta move on. Like, yeah. I think we should be encouraging Disney to, like, create new stories in different times. Like, I don't, I think, I think it's kind of, it's kind of like a waste of effort to just, like, focus on, on something that already exists. Like, they spent so much money into it, it's ridiculous to think that they're going to do that, and, like, I wouldn't even want to see that to begin with. Yeah, and, like, no matter what you think of it, there's a story that was told, right? There's a story between 789 that is cohesive to an extent, and... No, I wouldn't say it it's cohesive. <laughs> to an extent. Like, there's an underlying no. current there between... I, I so. Okay, there, there's... Rey becomes a Jedi over the course of that trilogy. That's the thing that happens, right? Sure, sure. So there's still that aspect to it, where it's like, at the end of the day, if Disney wants to look back, they're like, hey, we told a story. It's a story that has three parts to it. Like, there's that still, you know? Like, they're not gonna throw that away and redo it especially when one you already spent that harrison ford ticket you can't get him back two carrie fisher's passed away and mark hamill maybe he'd do luke again maybe he'd voice luke in a series but like i'm sure he's in no rush like you you took you had your shot you can't do it again right like you, uh, you there's no way you can make a better version of a sequel trilogy the way that people want it to go because the original cast isn't all together anymore like that's not something that's possible they d took their chance they took a shot with it and that's the version we got so they're not going to backtrack on that when it can't even be anywhere close to what we have right now you know in terms of relying on the nostalgia and what people wanted as a follow-up yeah i also don't think that they would even want to like they they already spent all these re all these all these resources into doing the sequel trilogy and it took them like x amount of years like i don't even know probably a long time uh yeah. and spent they spent a lot of money on it and like yeah like you said you, they've exhausted they've exhausted the uh carrie fisher thing like they've exhausted the harrison ford thing like they've potentially even exhausted mark hamill and like why they would go back to it is like it doesn't even register to me like in making sense at all because like they already cashed out you know like yeah. why like whether you not whether or not you like those movies or you hate them like they still turned disney a profit each one of them like they cashed yeah. out they cashed out hard and they're just gonna they should just leave it alone and that's what they're gonna mm -hmm. do that's exactly what they're gonna do yeah 
the closest I could see to them finagling their way through this, right, would be if 7, 8, 9 become 10, 11, 12, and then we get, like, a Bridge of the Gap trilogy with, like, Alden Ehrenreich and whoever they cast as the other two. But even at that point, I feel like that's something that works better as this hypothetical TV series that you and I keep talking about and dreaming about, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's way more potential there because it's like 20-odd years, right? Between 6 and 7 or 30, maybe? Like, you have a lot of ground to cover that if you make pillar points of, like, this is a huge event that happened that was so big we had to make a movie out of it. Yeah. I feel like it's too restrictive where you could get like 10 seasons of an animated show to cover all that period of time, right? I mean, like, in my opinion, I think that they've already had the opportunity to create a story after, you know, Return of the Jedi and they squandered it. And, like, you know, they don't get to do it over and nor would they want to do it over. Uh, mm. Like, am I saying that, like, they can't, you know, explore the period between episodes three and episodes four and, like, more content? Like, no. Am I saying that they can't, you know, explore what happens between episode seven and episode six through more content? Like they, they are. Like yeah. I, and I think that's fine. But if they're going to return something to like the large screen, uh, the big screen, as they say, yeah, uh, they need to come up with something completely different. Yeah, um, I, I, especially what we've been talking about with Disney Plus and Clone Wars. Like, Star Wars works so well as TV that. I do think we will continue to explore the gap of six and seven, like you're saying, and I do think Han, Luke, and Leia are not gone. Like, yeah, sure. I, I just makes sense that there it's going to be an animated series, right? Like, that's what you do. That's how you fill that gap, and you can have however many crazy stories. Like, you saw what Dave Filoni did with canon in like the father and the son and the daughter and all that stuff. Like, they can do whatever they want, you know, to get the the feeling of whatever people were expecting seven eight and nine to be they can do that in an animated show and have like no consequences because look what they did with clone wars right yeah like, exactly exactly so and, 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 and if they want to make if they want to make like a han solo tv show like a live action han solo tv show there are no consequences to that <laughs> like, yeah so these characters you're still going to get more of these characters right probably not on the big screen but they're not going to retcon the sequels. They might try to bury them like they did with the prequels for a little while, but even at that point, like, I feel like this is going to be a Ray book. This is going to be a Finn Jedi training book. Like, this stuff is going to stick around no matter how much you hate it. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, like, it's already too much ingrained in, like, the Disney, like, you know, zeitgeist for them to ever be able to fully remove it. Um Yeah. And they've, like I said, they already spent too much money into it. There's no possible way that they're going to back out now. Yeah, and I honestly, I wouldn't want them to, because that's the things I don't like about Nine was them doing shades of that, right? Like, Yeah. And give it some space, but I'm fine coming back at some point. You know, like, I want to see Finn train to be a Jedi. I'll read it if I have to, but I feel like that's a cool story to tell. Like, Agreed. I'll be there for that. So Agreed. I think, I think that, that would be a cool TV show, maybe. Yeah, we just need some time. John Boyega, I feel like you'd be into that. Maybe, maybe give him some time. Give him some time. Yeah, give him some time. We'll see. But I saw that in so many places, and you know how the algorithms work. The second I finished watching that video, I got like ten more recommended about the same story. <laughs> Honestly, yeah.
So. But I mean, that's that, yeah. It's an interesting. It's an interesting take, but I think that it's flawed. Mm-hmm. Absolutely not going to happen. No. Yeah. Definitely not. <laughs> I will eat a hat if that happens. Yeah, I would. I would do something insane if that happens. Yeah. Um. I wouldn't you know even want. I, think... I wouldn't even want it to happen. Anyways. <laughs> yeah. You know what I think? Some of these people might need. What? A Star Wars mindfulness book that was recently announced the other day. Okay, is this a segue? It is. All right. So, uh, Amy Ratcliffe, who I followed earlier this year on Twitter, she was tweeting out updates about the High Republic stuff during the Del Rey event. Is she an author? She is. So, she wrote a Star Wars book before. I'm, I did not take a note of what she wrote before, but she is writing a new book called The Jedi Mind. And okay. uh, if you want, I can read some descriptions about this whole book. Please do. The Jedi Mind is all about mindfulness practices inspired by the Star Wars universe with art by Christina Chung. Star Wars The Jedi Mind takes quotations and lessons from Star Wars films and books and pairs them with practices such as a breathing, posture, or meditation. The Jedi Code is focused on peace, knowledge, serenity, and balance, principles that readers can engage in their own lives. The philosophical tenets are applicable not just in the galaxy far, far away, but in our own galaxy here and now. And it's uh, just a $15 book okay yeah coming out later this year that's cool i mean i saw that i just looked her up she she wrote the book women of the galaxy um oh right 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 okay so yeah i mean i actually i've seen that book like in stores so i've taken a peek through it It, the women of the galaxy book is actually pretty cool um Mm -hmm. there's a lot of cool art in there Um, yeah it looks it looks similar this uh secrets from the force for balance and peace Mm -hmm. Uh, very interesting i i'm not gonna buy it but you know Maybe this is this is definitely for somebody out there. Honestly, it might be for me because I've been meaning to try meditating more just because of like a million things going on in my head constantly. And mm-hmm. I feel like it could just be beneficial and like tricking myself to being cool about it with Star Wars. <laughs> it could be a fun thing. And it's, it's 15 bucks. Like at best, it, it turns into like a coffee table book I have, you know? Yeah, I mean, I think, I yeah, it's it's only 15 bucks, like you said. Um, it looks like it's probably, like, you know, it's probably nice. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah, get, go for it, man. Yeah. Have more power uh, to you. I don't think it's, like I said, I don't think it's something for me, but. Mm. Yeah, and that that is releasing later this year. I saw pre-orders are up. That's how I saw the pricing of it. Um, but it, it's, in a week that's light, it's nice to have like a just a calm, relaxing thing. You know, it's like, hey, that's <laughs> yeah. a cool thing. That just makes sense. That's a cool thing. That's practical. Definitely. I mean, honestly, I think uh, yeah, the book that I'm more interested in buying is the um, you know the Empire Strikes Back from a certain point of view thing. Right. That's what I'm interested in, personally. Yeah. That is later this year, and um, I wonder. Honestly, I should check out the the first from a certain point of view it's cool mm-hmm. yeah maybe i'll maybe i'll do that yeah but the other news piece of the week before we continue on uh also has to do with books and that is a huge publishing effort about the mandalorian okay i don't know if you saw any of this stuff mike but I did there's not. a lot of mando books coming up let's see it all right i actually haven't so. heard about any of this so okay so I can run through all of them if you want, and then we can talk about any highlights. I can try to find more info if you want. Okay. But Art of the Mandalorian Season 1 by Phil Sostak, who also worked on the art books and art 
concept art, I believe, for the live-action Star Wars films of the past few years. Like, I think we talked about uh, a quote from Phil Sostak when we were talking about the story of Rey's lightsaber that got cut. Like, it was his perspective and his information in the art of Nine, I think, that um, gave us that insight. So Mando could have some cool stuff in there that got cut. Um, okay, cool. A Mandalorian original novel by Adam Christopher, which I don't know if it will be recounting the show. I don't know if it's a novelization, but um, similar to Nine, getting that novelization, the seven and eight novelizations, adding more context, adding cut concepts. Uh, so maybe we get more info on Mando or Baby Yoda through there. Uh, that's from, that's um, interesting. I I wonder like what this is going to be about. Yeah, because like. I feel like there's a story you can probably flesh out with a little more detail, right, than what's on the show. Because a lot on the show is show, don't tell, and it's a book's job to tell. So, like, (laughs) we'll obviously be getting more information that we did with the lake monster in 9, right? Like, fill in the gaps. The only other thing that the guy who's writing that book, uh, Adam Christopher that has written that i can tell from a very brief look through is in is a stranger things novel oh interesting wonder how uh, that'll be yeah next up our boy pablo hidalgo is back the mandalorian ultimate visual guide oh the man the myth the legend pablo yes did you ever have any of the like visual guides for any of the older movies too yeah, no, I have I have like the big like compendium one for one through six. Ooh, nice. So it's like the big like thick hardcover one. Yeah, I, I was all in on those, man. Yeah, I have um I don't know if it's canon anymore, but I have the Phantom Menace one. So that's a cool one. That's on the shelf downstairs. I don't. Yeah, I don't know if those are canon. I would assume that they are, but maybe they are. Yeah, I don't know. Like. I'd have to, I'll look into that for next week. I'll go down and fact check, just see like what the, the credits are, what era of publishing it was. Yeah, sure. Yeah. So next up from Brooke Vitale, we have two, a Mando Allies and Enemies, and then a Mando 8x8 storybook title, subject to change. Um, so more kid focused, you know, like if you're doing a storybook, probably like Calvin and Hobbes style, Baby Yoda and Mando. We've seen a lot of fan art like that. Gotta love it, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, continuing on that line, a Mandalorian Junior novelization by Joe Schreiber. And cool. finally, last but not least, from the Star Wars Newsnet write-up, quote, Mandalorian-inspired comics from Marvel and IDW. So. Um, that's cool. I mean, I'm, I'm really only interested in the original novel and maybe the mm-hmm. visual guide and then the, definitely the comics but yeah yeah what? i think there's gonna be interesting stuff to pull from the visual guide and the art book um just because of the descriptions we get and like figuring out what some concepts were like maybe uh we get hints at moff gideon or something right maybe like sort of backstory on him just with the flavor text of his outfits or his ship or something yeah i guess i don't know like do you think there's going to be more exposition on like who mando is as like a person like in a way i kind of want that but in a way i also want to i would like to see him be more like mysterious in his background yeah i feel like this could be a case where the like 
additional reading is the stuff that gives you the background or fleshing out the gaps but when time comes for the show it's a lot more about the here and now like it's not really focused on his backstory maybe we get a little more uh context on how he became a foundling but i don't think it's gonna dive deep into like oh his brother jonathan or something like that that we'd see in a book like this you know yeah okay well interesting uh mm-hmm. yeah like i said i'm interested to i'm interested to read the book i probably will read the book maybe but yeah I, i'm curious to see the direction of the book like if it is just gonna be a straight novelization or if it's gonna be an like an additional piece i really don't know but i'm curious to hear more about that um same thing with the comics like mandalorian inspired is interesting to phrase it that way mm-hmm. like are we gonna get a cara dune comic i mean that's the way that the actual like star wars press release is written too so it's not just star wars news net um okay yeah i don't know what that means i think i think it just means maybe just things that have to do with mandalorian uh yeah i, I would say i would say definitely like spin-off comics about like characters like Cara Dune or something like that like you said yeah like I'd love like a four issue Cara Dune arc trooper thing for the New Republic that'd be sick that, um, that would be awesome yeah like maybe like a one shot of uh Grief Karga just giving out bounties for a weekend or something like I like the I like the four issue like runs that they do sometimes uh mm-hmm. I think I think seeing Cara Dune as like an arc trooper would be awesome yeah, that'd be really cool, because I doubt we'll get that in the show, you know, because it seems like Mando isn't super focused on the history to a certain extent. Like, we do get flashbacks, but that's just for Din Djarin. Like, I doubt we'll get Baby Yoda flashbacks or Cardoon in Season 2, but yeah. yeah. I, I don't even know. I don't even know if, uh, you know, Baby Yoda's old enough for flashbacks, so. Yeah. Who knows? <laughs> 50 years old you can't do much in that time yeah seriously um but that does it for news pretty late news week um publishing heavy that's what the next couple months are going to be not only uh in the star wars sphere probably but in our show as well because uh a couple episodes back we announced we were doing star wars book club right yeah i think it was um I think it was like right before the beginning of June. I don't know. Okay. So a few episodes back. Um, and we will get to our review book club discussion of Claudia Gray's Master and Apprentice. But yes. I did want to announce our next book. Please. I'm holding it in my hands right now. Awesome. Are you showing it to the camera? I am. Star ah. Wars Alphabet Squadron. Book one of the Alphabet Squadron trilogy by Alexander Freed. I'm very excited to read this one, Mike. I started reading it. Oh, you did? Yeah. Is it good? You give us a little tease. Is it good? Do you like it? I mean, I've only read 25 pages of it. So far, it's pretty good, yeah. <laughs> okay, that's fair. Um, Yeah, you know, we got squadrons in the fall. Figured diving into a book about a squad of fighter pilots would get me in the mood even more for squadrons and this has a sequel too yeah so hey if this is a hit we got a roadmap you know exactly that's what i'm saying um i did this for the master and apprentice so i can just read through the back recap text yeah for sure people who might not be sold yet see i i don't have the physical edition like you do i'm reading it on a kindle so ooh, ooh, very nice okay so 
Um, on the brink of victory in a brutal war, five New Republic pilots transform from hunted to hunters in this epic Star Wars adventure. The Emperor is dead. The Rebellion is victorious. In the aftermath, Erica Quell is just one of thousands of Imperial defectors living in a deserted shantytown. Uncertain about her place in the Republic she once fought against, she has begun to lose any hope for redemption until she is selected to join Alphabet Squadron. Cobbled together from an eclectic assortment of pilots and starfighters, the five members of Alphabet are tasked by New Republic General Hera Syndulla herself. Ooh. Their mission, to track down and destroy the mysterious Shadow Wing, a lethal force of TIE fighters exacting bloody, merciless vengeance in the twilight of their reign. But, uh, but going from underdog rebels to celebrated heroes isn't as easy as it seems. The wayward warriors of Alphabet Squadron will have to learn to fly together to protect the new era of peace they fought so hard to achieve. That sounds awesome. I've heard good things about the book, man. And so far, like like I said, I've only read like 25 pages of it. It's pretty good. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'm excited to I'm excited to read this. Um, the Star Wars books, we'll, we'll get into it, obviously. Uh, they're, they're pretty phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. After our first experience with your like second or third Star Wars book, but my first, like, oh man, I'm ready. I'm ready for another one, and I'm ready for a fighter pilot perspective because that's going to be a completely different vibe that I'm ready to see. Definitely, man. Uh, there, it's it's cool. It's there. Yeah, I'm I'm excited to read Alphabet Squadron, especially since there's a sequel, and I'm pretty positive that we're gonna end up liking it. So, yeah. And I'm pretty sure, I don't know if this is 100% confirmed, but I think it might have some ties to Squadrons. I have no idea. Maybe. Yeah. I, uh, maybe. Yeah, I might have read that in a press release for Squadrons, I'm not sure, but if they're answering to Hera, then I would assume that maybe there's a couple things, a few nods, you know? I have no idea. Yeah, I think it's very possible. I mean, they're still writing these books, so. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. Uh, that one because do you want to put a date on that uh i mean what do you think is realistic here um, this, this is like this is you know this is how the sausage is made right here yeah i think we could probably say either end of july or first week of august let's say first week of august okay just to be safe you know yeah sure okay so the first week of August, that episode will be the book club review of Star Wars Alphabet Squadron, and I'm excited. Heck yeah, let's do it. So, moving on. Also, we're shouting out because this is a podcast; people listen to it audibly. You can listen to the audiobook too if you don't want to read and you want. To yeah, follow follow along. follow along by audiobooks. That's totally legitimate. Uh, totally, yeah, totally I, a good way to read the book. Mm-hmm. I had a free re- redemption of uh, something on audible i think they, whatever they connect you to on amazon and i used that for a couple chapters of master and apprentice when i was cooking and stuff but good experience yeah for sure so that brings us to the topic of today the master topic and apprentice reviewed do you have your copy i do right here same slap it right here baby <laughs> Dude, this book is great. This book is awesome. Okay, so um, I don't know, like, even where to begin. You know, uh, let's just I talk about. Question. Yes, say what you can say. I was just gonna ask you a very broad strokes question. Did you t- like take notes while you were reading, or like after the fact, or anything? 
Not really. No. Okay. I wrote down a few notes after like a day. I finished it like five days ago, I think. So I, I did some notes uh, a day or two after I wrapped up just to have some talking points still. Okay. All right. So, so um, I mean, first off, I was pretty excited about like the just the, the premise of this book uh, because, mm-hmm. you know, it's about Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan before Phantom Menace. It's one of like the earliest, you know, it's one of the it's one of the earliest like things that they're in this canon the new canon of star wars uh and i have to say it didn't freaking disappoint it did not it really did uh the 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 setting this like the time period was such an interesting time period to have this all set in absolutely because yeah you don't get like a ton of like lightsabers clashing as you would with like well i mean like even phantom menace doesn't have a ton of it you know because maul shows up twice but like the the absence of like a big sith presence is really interesting because it's still sort of what high republic's been pitched as you know of like the jedi in their prime which like 400 years after what high republic has been pitched to be jedi are cocky right like they're 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 on their way to revenge of the sith no question but like no clones in this prequel era still like no hint of anything like that it's really it does give like a very very hard impression of like these these jedi think that like they're at their prime you know and they are and they are in some way like Mm -hmm. it's it's very interesting and it was honestly i had trouble like putting it down because you said that like the math worked out if we did like 30 pages a day we'd be done by the end of the month yeah there was one day where i read 100 pages just straight up i was like this i cannot stop this is great for sure man. for sure um uh, props to claudia gray because i feel like she understands star wars better than i do the, you know? it, the feeling was like it felt like the entire time it felt like the first like three minutes to phantom menace like yeah like but just like for an entire book yeah that's insane and like obviously i know she's a celebrated writer especially in star wars but like god she does not miss a beat like i'm right with there with you i was constantly thinking of like damn it is so consistent to qui-gon and obi-wan in phantom menace um, I'm sure you were too, just especially because like their their likenesses are on the cover. But I was like playing out all the scenes and like reading it in the voices of Ewan and Liam Neeson. Like it just it felt like it fits so perfectly that it was like I was watching a Star Wars movie, and I was oh, yeah. blown away. Yeah, she she really has a good handle on like who these main characters are, and like she she you could tell like she's very good at channeling them, and like like writing in their in their own like thoughts it's very it's very it's very cool Uh, yeah um even the pacing too like the i know it's weird to talk about pacing of a book to a certain extent because like the pace is kind of on you still you know like yeah it's dependent on how much time we spend on certain things but like you can read fast right like yeah so there's an element there that's not the same if you're talking about pacing of a film but it kind of, like it felt paced like a movie to me. You no, know, it, it, like I think talking about pace in the context of a book is completely reasonable because like 
the author can like linger on things right like they can mm-hmm. they can like linger on a certain scene they can linger on a certain like event in the book something that happens and like this book pretty much moves it along uh mm. it has like a, it has a story it wants to tell it obviously has a very concrete like ending to that story and it gets there in a very concise but interesting way that's mm-hmm. that's extremely nuanced all the politics of it is like very very complex and yeah and uh yeah yeah it, it's interesting it, it's funny you bring that up because i do have a question for you sure do you think like politics in star wars just works better in books oh my god yes yeah, because you've had a couple like political Star Wars books. You read the one about Amidala, like yeah. So I read I read Queen's Shadow, which is very much like, you know, about the Senate and all that kind of stuff. And that that one is like the most politics heavy Star Wars book that I've read, probably. Mm. Uh-huh. Um, very little like action. Like this one has a lot of like action scenes in it and stuff, mm. uh, and like predicaments that Obi Wan and, and Qui Gon get themselves into. But like, I definitely think the politics works better on the page. Um, Especially since uh, I also just finished reading another one of Claudia Gray book, Claudia Gray's books, Bloodline, which is about Leia, um, nice. and that's that's about like the New Republic Senate and very much politics. Uh, I think it's definitely better than than Queen's Shadow. Um, it's much more adult and it's like look at like how the political system works and yeah, I think I think politics is like a huge part of Star Wars, but it does definitely doesn't necessarily translate that well onto like film. Because people don't yeah. want to, people don't want to listen to that. If you're interested yeah. in it, you'll read Master and Apprentice, or like you'll read Bloodline. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like especially after we rewatched the prequels, and I was like really enthralled by Palpatine every time he talked, like and like piecing together everything. I, I honestly, I'm probably gonna read Queen's Shadow eventually because just it's good. The, yeah, just like exploring that and like figuring out the intricacies of everything. I'm a fan. It is thrilling. <laughs> No, it's, I mean, I, honestly, it's good. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, I, so how do you feel about, like, Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan presented in this book? Like, we, we feel like it's natural for where they exist in Phantom Menace, right? But the, the majority of the book, it's about them kind of trying to see eye to eye and come to terms with the fact that they're together for a reason like they shouldn't be running from that you know and like they spent a lot of time and it was kind of sad realizing this like they spent a lot of time training together really not comfortable and like in phantom menace you do sort of get the butting of heads a little bit but we clearly get to a point where obi-wan respects qui-gon for his differences even if he doesn't agree with them fully that I was kind of surprised to see that even this close to Phantom Menace, they weren't really on that level. Yeah, I think I think the book does a really good job just, like, fleshing out the characters more, um, making you really understand, like, like bringing you into the minds of, like, what Qui-Gon is thinking and what Obi-Wan is thinking. And the differences between those are, like, pretty apparent, like, pretty stark and apparent, I'd say. Yeah. Like, you know, I, I, I don't know. I was talking with Jack Martin about it, and he was like, I really like how, you know you're like those like those those like quieter like more contemplative moments like between characters and stuff like that and just like characters on their own like in their own internal monologue and i think that's really true in this because you know you see qui-gon on on 
film. And like, yeah, you kind of get it. You kind of get the idea that he's like an outsider, that he's not quite like you know the rest of the Jedi. And you see a little bit of the butting heads, like you said, with between Obi Wan and, and Qui Gon. But the book really fleshes that out in a very like emotional in like I don't know. I, I I felt I felt like connected to it in a different way than the movie does. Definitely, because sort of what you and Jack were are talking about with like sort of self-reflection and really introspective moments and like really going through what these characters are thinking it's on screen relegated to just the acting of ewan mcgregor and liam neeson when they just are like looking at something you know and it's like they do the beard stroke and like they're just looking off off screen like <laughs> yeah everything you get like we get like two paragraphs of like obi-wan thinking through something after qui-gon walks out of a room and that in the film would have been yeah we uh Qui-Gon walks out of the room we cut to Ewan he makes an expression and then we do the wipe and that's it right like yeah really getting in the weeds with it I thought was really interesting and obviously made me appreciate Obi-Wan's like depth way more but I got a lot like I liked Qui-Gon before but dear god he's a he's he's up there now I mean honestly I didn't I really didn't care for Qui-Gon before uh, I think I've expressed that on this podcast. Um, yeah, but yeah, the book totally like totally changed my mind on that. I mean, I think he's one of the most like complex Jedi. Uh, yeah, and I think this like obviously you can get that from watching the movie, but I think the book makes it much more uh, you know in your face, much more prevalent. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's interesting. Like the, the the way that the book like is set up. Like, are we talking about spoilers here? Like, my oh yeah yeah. yeah. All right, minor spoilers. Spoilers for the book. Oh, it's all out. We we read the book. Spoilers. Yeah. Spoilers for the book. Uh, you know when the Jedi Council offers you know Qui Gon that position. That's like the perfect. Mm-hmm. That's the perfect set, like like setting for like the rest of the book to happen like on a, on an emotional plane. Like because yeah. both like Obi Wan and Qui Gon have to juggle with like that reality. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's it's brilliant, man. Yeah, and moments like that, like when, like seeing Qui Gon talk to the Council uh, later on, when like Yoda force times him or hologram calls him, he, we don't have force yeah. time yet. Not quite force time, Christian. Um, he calls him and he's like, "Hey, just so you know, I wasn't with this." <laughs> you know that I, f- I like, find that like so so funny though. Actually, yeah, 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 because. Like, the, it's the council. It's a big deal, so they have to be that forward with it, right? But, like, seeing Yoda almost, like, not antagonistic, but, like, he's sort of the main focal point of Qui-Gon's opposition with the council, right? Like, yeah. in Phantom Menace, that's just a line, right? Like, uh, Obi-Wan says something in Phantom Menace to Qui-Gon about, like, oh, something about Master Yoda, I know you don't get along, like, that kind of thing. Right. But I was, I, I'm sure you were too, but I was thinking a lot about uh, Phantom Menace the whole time. I was thinking a lot about um, just sort of what we talked about from that director's roundtable a couple weeks ago about true how Qui-Gon could have impacted the rest of the prequels. Like, I, yeah, I was just really fascinated learning more about this character who I always liked, but wasn't sure why I liked him. But like now... I have a reason to like him. I feel like, like you said, he's incredibly complex and a very interesting Jedi. I think what the book did really well that I actually, you know, 
I, I enjoy a lot. I think it made it. I think it made Qui Gon and Obi Wan both like both characters at some points that like were like so obviously like you were meant to disagree with them. Uh, yes. And I think that that's such a cool way that a lot of authors do that in many books, like to get you to kind of like hate the character in a bit, in yeah. a way. Uh, but like, yeah, I don't know. I think that just adds so much more nuance to like what they were, what they're doing. Like, there are a lot of backs, back and forths between Qui Gon and Obi Wan in this book, and it's like, it's hard for the you as the reader not to be like, you know, I kind of have to agree with Obi Wan on this one. You know, like, mm-hmm. like Qui Gon, you're being a little bit of a jerk. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I- but yeah, it's just that adds so much so much complexity to the characters, and I think that that's an asset the book has. Definitely, yeah. And like Obi Wan is my favorite Star Wars character, right? Like, yeah. Seeing him at seventeen years old in this book and hearing about what his training was like, and seeing the conflict that Qui Gon has, and like all of his internal monologues about like how obi-wan deserves better like he has so much potential but like he's not servicing him well and just how tumultuous obi-wan's like padawan ship was really sort of recontextualizes the prequel version of him for me a little bit because like Mm -hmm. yeah i always loved obi-wan and i thought it was like oh he's the dad to anakin like he's like oh you crazy kid like oh man but it like seeing how underappreciated he felt right maybe that's not the right word but like he he felt like he was lacking a lot in his time as a padawan so maybe that pushes him to be more by the book in the prequels you know like that's the vibe i was getting when i was reading through i mean yeah i don't know i just think that maybe it's just the way that i read it was just you know it's you know, uh, I don't know, just like a, like a character difference fundamentally between the two of them. Like, mm-hmm. like you know, I don't know, Obi-Wan's right-brained about something, but Qui-Gon's left-brained. You know, I, I don't know. Like, mm-hmm. that that it's just the way, like, the, it, I, I, don't, I wasn't seeing him, seeing him become, like, more one way or the other. Like, maybe, or yeah. maybe just more set in his, like, already pre-existing beliefs. Because I feel like from the beginning of this book, that's something that Qui-Gon and his like internal monologue deals with a lot is like you know my apprentice mm-hmm. like you know obi-wan like he's he's very much like you know into like the black and white of like you know the law and like the books and like you know obi-wan's mm-hmm. more interested in the letter of the law and like Plagon's more interested in the spirit like yes i i think i meant more along the lines of like seeing the jedi knight he is in the prequels and clone wars like seeing the way he interacts with Qui-Gon in this book more than in Phantom Menace makes that make a lot more sense. Okay, yeah, I see what you're saying. Maybe I misunderstood your point. But... Yeah, like, like I feel like there's a lot of seeds that were planted here for like where we eventually go with him. It's like, oh, okay, yeah, I can see why yeah, yeah. he'd really be on Anakin about like, hey, we, there's a way to do things. For you sure, know? for sure. Um, and one of the moments I really liked was... Uh, obi-wan learning from kaj the chancellor yeah about uh qui-gon's invitation to the council and then a couple chapters after like when qui-gon went to talk to him about um the incident with avaros like and obi-wan is sort of like hostile of is like hey i did my own research like i know what do you want to talk to me about it (laughs) 
yeah no it's the, the book has a lot of cool like it, it's very it's very interweaving and it, it calls back to a lot of like former stuff too um mm-hmm. do you want to talk a little bit about like the main plot of this book uh sure um we deal with trade routes once again we do <laughs> hyperspace yeah. lanes um so big general synopsis there is a for the inciting stuff of the story there's a corporation that is working heavily with a another young queen 14 years old yep family on this planet <laughs> family that's been sort of like distant from the rest of civilization for a long time and they want to assimilate they found a hyperspace lane that works it charts through their location of the galaxy which has not really been possible it was very difficult to achieve and there's some terrorism going on there's a big treaty again very political and uh an old friend of qui-gon who is working for the the royal family basically calls qui-gon and obi-wan to come in to sort of sniff out all the the disaster that's awaiting while this treaty gets to be signed so again very political setup but it still feels fully like a star wars adventure still it might just be because we know the characters at the start and like it is kind of i didn't think it was slow building up but it is a lot of political talk to set up the story i thought it was a little slow building up because of all the political talk i think it was hard to get around that and i it didn't bother me like Mm -hmm. it was fine yeah yeah like i was really yeah i think kind of what i was saying about really being fascinated by like how qui-gon's mind worked that might have been what was really carrying me through the early chapters but i i did i eventually came around but like the whole, like popping back like get ripping me away from qui-gon and obi-wan character growth for like the pax and rahara stuff towards the like early middle yeah yeah was a little slow for me it was a little dry i but like okay, i yeah. like i like pax and rahara no, I do too. I for sure like them. I, and I like eventually where the entire story goes with them. I just meant more so like at first it was cool. And then a little bit further past the middle, like maybe around like 200 pages or something, like when we kept bouncing back to them, it dipped for me a little bit. But then when we saw the like the reverse sort of moment of the uh, the orb that had like the religious pilgrimage on it and right. then it was like oh they're actually the ones that saved them then i was back in right so um but yeah, yeah we do deal oh god oh i was gonna i was gonna say um just you know i i think that the setup was was a little maybe maybe a little slow but i think it was a, it was worth it but continue what you're going to say sorry i was gonna say we deal with a lot of new characters that we haven't heard of before um so i guess for you did you find yourself caring about most of the new cast like as you should have because i i think specifically with avros like the slow setup i feel like was needed you know because you're bringing up this history jedi who has a name you know it's a big deal in the council and like just jumping right in like skipping over the maybe pace breaking flashbacks some could say to flesh out his relationship with qui-gon i those felt very necessary to me and i just happened to have been entertained by them also you're talking about you're talking about the uh uh, 
You're, you're talking about the flashbacks that they'd have with like Dooku and stuff. Yes, because yeah. uh, those those are awesome. Yeah, dude, I loved those, and I I know we have our next book lined up, but I do I might independently look into Dooku Jedi Lost because if there's any shades of that in there, oh yeah, for for real. But I mean, um, yeah, man, I I, I really liked uh, Rail <laughs> Rail Avaros. Um, mm-hmm. I the thing is though the thing that bothered me um, I, one I think he's a really cool character uh, mm-hmm. and he's kind of tragic um, for sure but uh, I I imagined him in the book uh, because there's a, there's a fighting scene uh, I imagined him with a yellow lightsaber but like later on in the book they clarify that it's a blue lightsaber and I was really pissed uh, yeah. <laughs> for some um, reason for some reason I thought he was like a yellow lightsaber guy. But. I could feel that, you know, like there were a couple times. I I think when it was the flashback about him and his Padawan, mm. and it, I was like, hey, maybe one of them is a yellow one, and then it was like, oh no, it's green and blue. Um, I this is like super literature teacher for a second, but I thought it was interesting that if we're doing parallels, right, the whole like concept of him and his Padawan is meant to sort of be like a what if for Qui Gon and Obi Wan to have some sort of dialogue there yeah interesting that the pad one had the green lightsaber and she died and uh out of these two who has the green lightsaber and who dies seriously maybe just a green lightsaber is already good uh good or a good omen but it worked out for it worked out for yoda for a while yeah yeah it did <laughs> um but yeah I, I did even with um pax and rahara too of like sort of having the mentor apprentice role in like multiple different avenues in the book kind of caught me off guard because even with the dooku and qui-gon stuff there's a lot of parallel stories about a master and an apprentice that went beyond just who's plastered on the front of the book and made me appreciate their moments together a lot more yeah definitely there, there was just a lot of cool like star wars world building in this book too uh, yeah that i just really enjoyed i like how the Zerka the Zerka corporation came back mm. uh that's a star wars knights of the old republic thing by the way Oh, interesting. Oh, well, that that's pretty cool because I remember in the early pages they were saying something about like, oh, it's existed longer than the Republic, and I was like, really? Yeah, yeah. So, so that's cool. So like, yeah, like Zerka Corporation existed in the old canon, uh, and like I knew that it was in this new canon. I just didn't know exactly when it popped up and like what capacity it takes. Uh, so it was mm-hmm. cool to see that in this book. Uh, they have a pretty big presence, um, Zerka. Yeah. I wonder if we dip into anything else with them in other novels. Because there's a pretty big jump in the timeline for Del Rey publishing, right? Like, it goes from prequel era to... Uh, well, we get a couple prequel stuff. So we get, like, Dark Disciple and uh, Catalyst, the Rogue One book. But, like, there's not a ton to flesh out, like, one to two to three, you know? Like... So I wonder if we get more anytime, anywhere. I mean, I don't know. I, I would hope so. I want to see more of this, like, period of, of time. Yeah, I would... I. It's rough because... I was trying to think about this, right? Like, obviously, Star Wars was a movie first, and maybe it's unfair to think of wants or, like, dreams based on what we're reading, because the book is great, but when i was reading it i was like damn 
I really wish we got to see more uh, Liam Neeson and Ewan McGregor together. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Could still be and done, man. I guess, yeah, but like, <laughs> would you want to see an adventure between them that takes place before this when they kind of don't like talking to each other? Like, uh, I don't know. Where would it take place, do you think? I, I wouldn't. The thing is, is I wouldn't want to see that. I think it exists fine in the book. Like, that's, yeah. that's how I want to. This is this and i'm holding it up to the screen right now this is how i'd want to experience it <laughs> yeah so like, i don't think it needs to, to be done anyway else yeah i agree like i i think it was more of just like a damn i really love obi-wan and it's real cool getting a greater appreciation for qui-gon i just wish it could be in more places and specifically with this relationship like I don't know how much more you can mine between this and Phantom Menace, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's possible, but I don't... I feel like it'd be very restrictive with, like, timeline stuff. And so at that point, it's like, okay, so would I want to just explore more of Qui-Gon before he got Obi-Wan? Like, I don't... Like, where are you with that? Like, do you think you want to see more Qui-Gon ever? I would want to see more Qui-Gon, but, like, in stuff like this, like I said. I, I'm, I don't yeah. want to... I, I am not like a huge Qui-Gon fan. Obviously, this book did a little bit more to that fact for me. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I think I think that you know, just watching it, you know, I don't know, watching or just or just reading about it's better, in my opinion. Yeah, and I, I think that is why I do want to look to Dooku because if it's sort of fleshing out even more of a younger Qui-Gon, yeah, that'd be great. Yeah. Um, I don't know if. The Dooku book is more along the lines, timeline-wise, when this takes place. You know, because we do reference Dooku a fair amount because uh, Rael and Qui-Gon have the mutual mastership with uh, Dooku. <laughs> true, true. Uh, do, you, do you have, like, a favorite one of the flashbacks? Because I loved those. Um, I don't know if I do, actually. I, I can't answer that question. <laughs> I, okay. I, not, off, not off the top of my head like that. I, I really loved the early ones, like, sort of uh, when Qui-Gon was nervous and, like, talking to him, and I was imagining just, like, a younger Christopher Lee, like, grilling, a little, like, a child Liam Neeson. Yeah, no, like, the older ones are cool, man. Like, 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 yeah. like the first, like, one of the first ones, like, because I didn't even know, like, I didn't, re like, obviously you don't really understand what you're reading until you read into it. And I was like, oh, cool, it's a flashback with, with Qui-Gon and Dooku. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, if there's anyone that's memorable, it'd probably be the first one. Yeah, I, I also did, like, the one where he met uh, Avros of, like... Um, oh, at the, at the battle and stuff? Yeah, on the beach. Yeah. And he's like, if you fall in the ocean, I'll levitate you out. I was like, all right, this guy's cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, over... And... Oh, sorry. Mm -hmm. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, like, it made me just want to watch Phantom Menace again. It definitely made me want to watch Phantom Menace again. Uh, mm -hmm. I mean, overall, like, what do you think about, you know, Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan? They ended up teaming up with Rahara and uh, Pax, so that was a cool, like, the timelines converged. Uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, and they tried to, like, unravel this mystery about, like, who was creating all of this civil unrest on Pajal. Mm -hmm. uh, and they, 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 go to the, they go to the moon. Mm-hmm. And they, it, they fight some bad guys. Yeah, it it's a it's a really good adventure. It does take time to build up for sure, but like, yeah. 
Definitely. I saw shades of uh, Obi-Wan snooping through the archives and Attack of the Clones. You know? Like, with all the detective work they were doing. Yeah, like, for sure. For sure. Like, this, there should be a planet here. <laughs> like, yeah, it's, it's like, oh, that's where you got it from. All right. You know that's, yeah, you know that that's how we learned all those skills. Oh, yeah. And, like, yeah, really just seeing all the connections, especially getting really deep in the prequel era with Clone Wars and, like, seeing some of that stuff referenced here and on a surface level just the adventure they go on the mystery of it all i thought it was like written incredibly well revealed very efficiently and i was having a hard time putting it down a lot because it was just very very entertaining what do you think about like the 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 way it ends if we're talking about spoilers we might as well talk about the way it ends like the the that like the very very final thing like the the flash forward to like re sort of doing the the funeral stuff oh like, no i'm talking about like the main storyline of the main plot of the book like on Pajal. yeah i i thought it was like fitting you know I, it didn't blow me away or anything but i feel like i'm never really blown away by endings you know no me either. like I, I don't know if i saw a lot of it coming or if it was just like i saw none of it coming but i thought it was cheap okay <laughs> like, why do you think it was cheap because i was like what so so like this princess was behind it the entire time i was like that seems like that came out of nowhere like there was no yeah there, there were no like seeds planted whatsoever for that like because mm-hmm. like early on like i don't know if it was a red herring or what but like early on i was definitely sus- suspicious of avros just because like they wanted me to be you know yeah yeah it was like oh he doesn't go by the book he's been out of it for like eight years he killed his padawan aren't yeah. you suspicious and i was like you know what i kind of am but yeah i'm with you there it's like eh. it's like okay look short yeah it just seemed like it kind of came out of nowhere to be honest with you like it seemed like it seemed like claudia gray was like i need to wrap this up i don't know who are the, <laughs> i don't know who these guys are on the moon let's just make it uh the guys they were with the whole time <laughs> you know what i'm saying yeah uh, and but like i it was kind of like I feel like prequels are kind of pigeonholed to not have great endings to begin with. Like, there was only a certain number of ways we could, like, leave off to make everything make sense continuing, you know? But, like, yeah, it was fine. Yeah, it's hard hard because, like, really in the grand scheme of things, this this story does not matter. Yeah, like, if anything, it just bolsters how we look at these two in Phantom Menace. Exactly. And that's what I wanted to get out of it. That's what I got out of it. That's what I took away from it, yeah. And like, Avros is cool. <laughs> like, that's that was the addition I got. Exactly. Um, yeah, he's one. Of, he's one. Of, he's definitely top top there. Up, he's up there amongst the Jedi. Mm-hmm. I wasn't. Um, I didn't watch Game of Thrones, but the whole time I was picturing this dude as just like a, a bearded Jamie Lannister. Same dude, literally same. Yeah, yeah. Really? <laughs> I mean, like some like something similar to that, like a shaggy looking guy like that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's for sure what I was getting. Um, but yeah, do you want to like give it a score? We aren't ranking these, I don't think, but we can review it. Oh, uh, one thing I did want to bring up sure. during that race that they have, like the hunt, mm-hmm. uh, the animals that they that they ride are the same animal that uh, Obi Wan rides in Episode Three on yeah. on Utapau, which I thought was yeah, a, that was a cool little thing. That was very cool because. Early on, when, like, we get our beginning scene of, like, them storming the hut place, um, and then 
a little bit after that. It might be like immediately after when we cut to seeing about um, Avaros on Pajal. Like they go into t talking. Well, the reason I bring up the hut thing is because out the gate they're name dropping like species and things. It's like I think I know what that is. Yeah, <laughs> but, yeah. Um, when they specifically brought up. Uh, I'm blanking on the name of the creature, but when they brought it up and they were talking about how they were like imported from Utapau and then on Pajal they got their own like crimson feathers and stuff like that, so they're their own uh, species or like version of the species. I thought that was a cool connection for sure. Yeah, for sure. I I thought it was cool. Um, I had to look it up, but whatever. <laughs> that yeah, that was the only thing I was like, oh I, I know. Well, and they also like said it was from Utapau, and I was like, ah, nah, yes, <laughs> that thing. <laughs> Um, did, did you struggle with that at all? Like when they were just name dropping stuff left and right, did you find yourself having to look things up a lot or did um, you just roll with it? Honestly, yeah. I mean, it's just something that I've kind of found with like Star Wars books is that I've, I've just come to accept that like it, there will be some Googling of things. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, just because I think it comes with the territory. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Like I, um... I definitely looked up um, the Chancellor. I was like, okay, I think it's Ahsoka's race, but it might not be. It is. <laughs> yeah, it is. Um, so, like, I because I, I was uncertain and I was, like, picturing, I was like, should I picture it as, like, Ahsoka or the guy that held Palpatine with the horns? Like, which one? <laughs> um, so, yeah, Google Google helped for sure. Yeah, for sure. Um, um, how, do you, how did you like the ending ending? I, I thought it was really cool. Like, are we talking about the funeral thing again? Yes, the or funeral, like the funeral. Thing. That was very cool because it sort of gave me what I think I wanted to take away from Phantom Menace. You know how I was like the whole time I was thinking about, damn, I want to rewatch it. True. And then, like, outside of him actually dying, right? We get like the key moment of their relationship in that film recontextualized with the entire book we just read, and I thought it was really effective. And I really liked them doing that. How do you feel? I, I thought it was super effective. I thought it was a really good bookend. Um, yeah, overall, I, I would have to give this book out of... Out of uh, do you want to do letter grades or we want to do numbers? Ooh, let, call. ooh letter grades, actually. Okay. Yeah, because I feel like letter grades works better for literature. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah, I don't know if you have a Goodreads, but like on Goodreads, it makes you review books out of five stars, and I think that's the worst. That's the worst way to review a book. Stars, not great for anything. I don't. I hot take maybe. I hate it. It doesn't tell you anything. Uh, yeah, because three stars is like a sixty percent if you equate the math. I hate it so much. It's it, bad. Well, the thing is, it's like sometimes it's like. I don't know. Like it, it's hard to tell exactly what four stars is, and like it could it it, it holds such a range, you know. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I'd have to say Master and Apprentice on a letter grade scale. I'd have to give it a B plus. I. You have more context because you've read more Star Wars books, but I was thinking about slapping an A on this thing. I really liked it a lot. I'd say I'm like B plus A minus, but probably okay. like, probably got saying B B plus. All right. Uh, if we want to do a, do we want to do a collective thing? Because if you want, we can meet in the middle and say A minus. If you're cool with that. Honestly, yeah, I would say A minus. Okay, so the official Jedi Knights for Master and Apprentice, A minus. It's a great book. Congratulations. I, I like I like this uh, this new segment we have going on. 
Oh, me too. It, it feels good. Like, I'm working my mind again, you know? For sure. It's great. Um, worth shouting out, because I think we I mentioned this when we said we were reading Master and Apprentice. Claudia Gray, is her High Republic book is about a Master and Apprentice in the Unknown Regions. Awesome. It is called Into the Dark, and it is about a, a Padawan and his master going into the unknown regions and dealing with more mystery in the unexplored regions of star wars so she's a great I will, she's a great writer man yeah i will absolutely be reading that um maybe it's like a spiritual successor to master and apprentice but like hey i'll take it because just the the dynamic between those two roles was just chef kiss definitely i actually just finished bloodline and she wrote that too mm-hmm. they're all she's a good she's a great writer man that's excellent. Very happy to hear that. Yeah. Um, so, that was the first one. Um, listeners, if you're following along, if you want to give like tweet-sized book reviews or whatever, Twitter or comments on the YouTube video, we'll shout them out eventually. Um, I know Jack was reading through it. I know my friend Zach was reading through it, and he he texted me this because he just finished Clone Wars too. He was like. Is Obi-Wan the best Jedi? Like, entire entire thing considered, classical meaning of a Jedi, is Obi-Wan the best? Yeah. Right? I mean, maybe, yeah. He did love, he did love Satis, or, or Satine. 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 Her, her last name's Kreese, right? Satine Kreese, sure. Right? Something like that. I think. Um... But yeah, like, I, I do appreciate that, of, like, Obi-Wan seeing how, it, like, strict he was to the core of following that code, and then eventually he realizes he was wrong, and even, like, he backpedals a bit in the original trilogy of, like, oh, no, you can't do that. But I, I do think Obi-Wan, in terms of the classical thing, is, like, the mold, you know? Yeah, for sure. He's great. So, uh... That wraps up the first book review. It's a, it was a good one. It was a great. It was a great one. I love this segment. Like I said, yeah, I'm glad we started with that. Me too. It was a good. It was a good jumping off point. I'm excited to read Alphabet Squadron. Me too. And honestly, I especially now that I have context and like experience, anytime I'm gonna be spreading the word. Like all my friends that like Star Wars that are missing it, I'm gonna be like, hey, <laughs> this Master and Apprentice book, it's good. You just need to read the books period yeah that's what i gotta say yeah we we took our time getting to the tv shows now we're just diving in on books and i can't wait for the rest of them what's the deal with the tv shows um so i think we established it last week worth reiterating um because i think i may have forgotten okay so the i believe the recording we're doing okay so the episode that comes out on the 15th uh, Mike and I will be reviewing season one of Star Wars Rebels. It's only 15 episodes. Um, just general impressions, probably not as super in-depth because it's not arc-based. Maybe just like highlights, overall thoughts. Um, so yeah, that will be next week's episode, so look forward to that. And if you want to follow along, Rebels is on Disney+. Plus. For sure. Cool. Um, and Mike, if you need more time, we can bump it up another week. Just let me know off air. <laughs> Alright, I will. <laughs> okay. Um, 
But that is going to do it. Is there anything you want to shout out before you wrap this thing up? Uh, I always shout out my Twitter, uh, but I never use it. Almost barely. Maybe maybe sometimes. Uh, at, Mike, okay. at Mike P. Connors. Very nice. Uh, if you want to follow me on Twitter or Instagram, it's at Chris N. Buckley. The show, at Jedi Knights JC on Twitter. Um, if you're watching this on YouTube, like I said, and you want to leave comments about the book below, feel free. I uh, don't know how many people will read the books because reading but <laughs> hey incentive you can get right on the show for sure i, I would uh, i would uh, recommend it absolutely uh the show is also available like books in audio format on podcast services <laughs> like like apple Podcasts and spotify but this, or this I, it's free though so yeah this is free books aren't sometimes not free yeah, that's worth that's worth mentioning. I wonder how many episodes we have to do, how many books we have to read to get an audible subscription or audible sponsorship. I don't know. I feel like they give those out to really everything, everybody. I'll, I'll do some digging. Honestly, we should reach out to Audible. We should. Um, but if you want to uh, continue listening to the show on audio format, it's available pretty much anywhere. And if you can rate or review on your service of choice, it'd be greatly appreciated. So we can keep the train chugging. But. Chugging along. That's gonna do it. Chugging along. Uh, I'm very excited for squad or, or Alphabet Squadron. We're gonna start that tonight. Nice. And uh, until next time, we're fine. Everything's fine. How are you? May the force be with you. General Kenobi.